Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. Hey everyone, this is episode 29 and today's episode is another warrior story. Today we have Dr. Vicki Chan on the show. She's an ophthalmologist and she shares her story with infertility and some of the advice she has for professional women who know that their careers will take time to build and also kind of some of the stressors that come with your career and how to deal with with that as you're kind of navigating the space. Um, And she kind of shares her experience with how um, she dealt with the demanding schedule and how she's come to peace with how to balance her career and her family needs. Um, It's going to be a short introduction because I think um, she has some important things to say. Um, This episode is for you if you know that as a working professional woman with a career that may take time to develop and build and that there are challenges that you will likely face. You know, some of these that we talked about were, you know, being in somewhat of a male dominated career field where the expectations might be different, or maybe the expectations of the career that you put in a certain amount of time, or expectations that if you have a family that maybe you're not fit for a particular position. So we kind of explore all of this and kind of how she's come to terms with the choices that she's made. Um, And so, like I said, I think it's a really great episode if this is something that is difficult that you have to navigate. And you can at least hear what one person's point of view who's kind of gone through it in a you know, difficult position as a surgeon, um, then, you know, female surgeon, although fortunately in her field, um, it is less male dominated, at least in her program. So she kind of speaks to that. Um, if you found value in this episode, I would love a five-star review or written review on your favorite platform. Um, again, if there's any suggestions or anything like that, I'm always happy and open to receiving them so that I can review them for future episodes. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Just a quick reminder, I am not a physician and the information provided today is for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. So make sure that you consult with your own fertility doctor before choosing any medical therapies that may affect your fertility. Unfortunately, every person's situation is unique and it is vital that you discuss your own personal situation with your fertility doctor to decide what is the best course of action for you. Hey everyone, we're back with another episode and today I'm so excited to have Dr. Vicki Chan here on the show to talk to us about her experience and her journey with um, infertility and um, it's really interesting because, you know, when we look at the data, one in eight struggle with infertility, but when we drill down into physicians, the number drastically increases to one in four, which is significant and worthy of discussion. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Vicki Chan for being on here with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's kind of start in the beginning, kind of start with kind of how you decided medicine was for you. 
Oh man. So, um, I wish I had some like amazing story, you know, like some life altering event, but I mean, to be honest, I, um, I come from like a traditional Chinese family, you know, there are expectations there. My dad was a physician. I'm the oldest of three. So it was almost kind of, I've always wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I ever remembered a time where I wanted to be anything else, to be honest. So it was kind of like just ever since I can remember, um, I've kind of been on this track. Yeah. And so, because you're a surgeon, correct? Yes. Yeah. So training wise, you kind of knew, I don't know if you knew ahead of time that you wanted to be a surgeon or did that kind of come up just like later in medical school or? That was definitely later. So that, um, you know, I think when you're in a pre-med, you know, for those of you who are out there, I don't think you really have a really, really good understanding of what medicine is and all the different specialties that are out there. So I, I really had no clue. My dad is an anesthesiologist. So he's the one next to the surgeon, right? Um, he's the one that puts people to sleep, keeps them comfortable. And so growing up, I heard all these stories about all these crazy surgeons, <laughs> um, just that stereotype, you know? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so I actually thought I was not going to go into surgery because it was too hardcore. It was too intense. Um, I did not want to be part of that culture. Um, but, you know, part of medical school is rotating through all the different specialties. And turns out I love surgery. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, as a woman, you know, I, I did want to be realistic, right? I was like, okay, I don't know. I love surgery so much. It was, I was kind of shocked and really like disappointed in myself. I'm like, man, why, why surgery? Um, I did make a conscious decision. I was like, you know what? I love the OR. I love doing surgery. I loved working with my hands and like fixing things real time. Um, but let's be realistic. So I actually did make a conscious decision to like kind of go through and see what was like the least intense or less, you know, um, intense, I guess, of the surgical specialties. And I kind of, I came upon ophthalmology. So it is very surgical, very hands-on but there are not as many emergencies. So most of the surgeries are going to be scheduled, you know, so you can kind of have that elusive work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. When you were planning that, you kind of thought of lifestyle. Did the discussion of family planning or fertility preservation ever come up? No. Yeah, well, my husband's also a physician, Um he definitely wasn't. I mean, he was, he actually was going to be a surgeon, like a, he wanted to do general surgery, urology, like pretty, really, really intense stuff. He actually ended up going into anesthesia. That's like his own thing. You know, he, he, um, did a rotation or he actually, um, was initially in surgery and switched is what happened. So he, that's his, his story. Um, for me, it was more, I guess, you know, in a way, we didn't talk about fertility specifically. Um, it was more like work-life balance, you know, that I wanted to have more time and I wanted to have the flexibility to have a family. Um, you just kind of take it for granted, you know, that you, you can 
you know, like, oh, you know, we'll have kids when we're ready. And a, a lot of it. And I and I look back and I think it's really funny because, you know, we got married during training and there was a lot of discussion then. Like, we can't get pregnant now. We can't do it. You know, like this is a, not a good time. Like this would be a really, really bad time. So we spent a lot of energy not getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I did. Right. Yeah. 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 Penny, again, like so naive, like thinking like, oh, yeah, we'll just get pregnant when we want to. <laughs> Yeah, it's just right. so funny like, thinking yeah. back on that. Um, yeah, it wasn't even, we just assumed, you know, yeah. it would just happen. Um, and then it did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, did anyone like in your cohort ever, like, was it ever discussed amongst no. your colleagues or anything like no, that? We never, like, again, all of us, like, um, at least in training, like some of us were married, actually, most of us were, most of us were married. Mm -hmm. Um, and I rem I mean, I guess the only time we ever talked about is one of our seniors got pregnant or mm -hmm. had a, a baby. Mm -hmm. One of, there was one, uh, 30 of us, mm -hmm. one, um, mm -hmm. and it was like the first one ever. Like I, I, yeah. I didn't really know of any residents during training, you know, having yeah. a baby. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about like how crazy she was, you know, like, uh -huh. oh my God, well, not crazy, but like, oh, how crazy yes. it was like, you know, yes. she was pregnant and she's like working and, you know, and then she had to leave for a little bit, came back after six weeks. You're like, oh my God. Like, we're like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, how are you going to do it? I could never do that. That's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's just wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the only time we talked about it and it was never like, oh, I, you know. I hope I can get pregnant. It was like, yeah. oh gosh, I hope that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the conversation. Yeah. That we have. And and because in your specialty too, it, as a surgery specialty, the number of females isn't very many either, right? Or I has that changed? It isn't. But ophthalmology, there were at least in my program, there was. Uh -huh. And I think oh, okay. you're mostly women. Yeah. A lot of women actually. I say that and then I have to go back and count. <laughs> at least half, which is a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think it's because it's ophthalmology because exactly of that. It's like one of the most balanced surgical specialties. I see. Yeah. Um, and so at what point did you guys have that conversation to say, okay, now's a good time to uh, like build your family? Yeah. So we, I mean, we made this decision like, okay, not definitely not during training. Okay. So mm -hmm. we got married second year. So we had like two more years left of training and then fellowship. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start this new job and I don't want to get pregnant right away. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I want to like prove myself. Like I'm yes. like yes. hard and take the call and show, you know, show my colleagues that like I'm a hard worker. Yeah. Um, and so it was know, like two, I think I had been working for about two years. So let me think 2003. Yeah. So five years after we got married. So we finished our mm -hmm. training three years and then two years of working when we are probably one year of working when we decided, okay, we're going to try, mm -hmm. start trying. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, and then, and then it didn't happen. Like, yeah. So what happened? So we just tried. So we, I mean, again, you're so, I mean, I'm a doctor. I should know better than this. Like you just assume like, okay, we just get off birth control and it's just going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it did it. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, six months go by, like a year goes by. Actually, I think six months go by, nothing happens. 
And then my friends start telling me about, oh, well, you have to like pee on a stick and you have to like, and it starts coming out. Like I have other friends that are trying to get pregnant too, you know? And so mm-hmm. they start giving me all this advice, which I'm sure is not helpful either, you know, cause I got to <laughs> pee on a stick and now you got to do this. And now you got to do that. Um, and so like, like another year goes by, you know, and I actually didn't even, I, and now I know that I should have brought it up sooner. Like I didn't even bring this up to my OB. Like I didn't even like, you know, I didn't even say anything to anybody for a long time. And I think it was after about a year of trying like a little bit over a year where I finally brought it up to like my primary care or my OB Mm -hmm. or, you know, and my OB is like, Oh, why didn't you like, why didn't you say anything? Like, you know, there's these things you can try. Like, you know, if you try six months, you can't get pregnant. Like you can try like Clomid and, you know, you can do all these things. There's a workup that yeah. can, you know, like you can yeah. do these things to like figure out or to make it easier. And I had no idea. I just didn't like, you know, I don't know. No one talks about this stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's why I feel like we need to bring it up and we need to have like conversations about it. Um, yeah. So, so what ended up being the issue? What did you find out? Or I guess they let me back up. How, how old were you when you first started? So I started, so I had my daughter when I was 33. Mm-hmm. First, yeah, 33. So we started trying at 32, 31. Mm-hmm. So I'm, oh, I wasn't that old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, what was the question again? So, um, yeah, I was 33 when I had my first. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what ended up being the issue and what happened after that? Did you do IUIs yeah, yeah, so or so IVF? Okay, so what happened with my daughter? So as soon as I brought it up to my OB, Mm-hmm. Um, I think my OB did like a, a basic workup and he was like, yeah, you know, and I always had a history. So this is the thing. And you brought this up too. Like, yeah, yeah one in four doctors are, have struggled with infertility and we can like talk about all these other things, but apparently like Asians have it more too. Like someone, someone brought that up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had very irregular cycles. I've mm-hmm. always had irregular cycles and that, I'm sure mm-hmm. that was part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing my doctor did was like, oh, well, let's just kind of regulate you then. Like, mm-hmm. let's just get you like, you know, that way you can time it better. And yeah. we started on Clomid mm-hmm. and then, um, and that worked. Oh, okay. Like, he was able to regulate my schedule. And then, um, he gave me a trigger shot. Yeah. Like there's something that you can do to actually like time it a little bit better. So you can like, yeah. Clomid's like a pill that you can take to like um, see, I'm not an OB. It regulates yeah. your cycle so that yeah. it's more regular. Mm-hmm. And then you can do a trigger shot that releases your egg. Mm-hmm. So then you, you can time it. So then like you can actually time it a little bit better. And we actually mm-hmm. got pregnant. So mm-hmm. maybe a couple months mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so um, at that point, they were like, oh, it was, it's oh, it's just because I'm a regular. Like, that's all. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. all. Like, you know, yeah. we couldn't get pregnant for over a year just because I was a regular. Um, and so I was like super relieved cause I was like, oh, okay, well now we know why. And you know, when I'm ready to have my second, then we'll just do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I thought. And yeah. and that didn't work. <laughs> so like, you know, I had my daughter and then we were ready, you know, and then we're like, okay, it's, it's time to, you know, we want, we want a, bro- a brother or sister and we did the Clomid. It didn't work. So we did for a few months and then I got sick on the Clomid. Like it, it like totally messes you up. And so I started getting like really sick and it took me like a month or two to figure it out. Cause I'd be like, like terrible. I'd be like on the floor and then not realizing it was the Clomid. Like it's, it's the hormone stuff, you know? And so I had to stop that. And then at that point, my OB sent me to a fertility specialist. 
right? And so we had this discussion with the fertility specialist. And then this is the whole thing too, because, you know, I'm working, I'm supposed to be a hardworking physician, Yeah. you know? And so I, you know, didn't feel comfortable telling my work that I was actively trying to get pregnant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to like, go and see the specialist like first thing in the morning during lunch break like you know after I mean there I mean there was like going back and forth and like you know and like I couldn't talk to anyone like no one could help me with my schedule no one could you know like it was very kind of stressful and lonely at that time and then at the same time like I don't really want to talk to my friends and definitely not my parents because then it's all this pressure right like and it's like all this stuff and so yes yeah, so I was just like doing this on my own and we went through, so like Clomid wasn't working. I guess the next step was, um, I guess it's IUI, right? Where they inject the seed, where they inject the semen. This is a medical mm-hmm. show, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have to track your egg. Yeah. You no. Know? So they, they have to track your egg. Yes. I'm a regular. And so I remember, okay. I, I remember this because this was, again, I'm sneaking to, I'm sneaking to visits. Okay. And like, we're mm-hmm. trying to track my egg, you know, and like catch it so that you can inject the semen and I'm like running ragged and we're pretty sure it's going to happen during this time. And, mm-hmm. you know, so everything's all set. And then I go, um, it wasn't my visit yet. It was like the injection was supposed to happen like the next time, but they were tracking it. Mm-hmm. So I come in for just like a checkup and I had ovulated already. I was totally Oh upset. no. Oh, that's the and, worst. Right. And he, and I remember him telling me this and I cried. I cried because I was like, oh, my God, like we've gone through all for a month. We've gone through all of this. Yes. I might have been taking meds, too, you know, to kind of try to regulate. My husband had, you know, made his donation and we had actually taken I had taken like a couple days off when I thought I was going to ovulate. Yes. Yes. And so I had ovulated and he's like, "Okay, well, we can do I mean, we can do the injection now um, or you'll have to come back. Actually, he didn't offer it now. He's like, you can do it tomorrow. But I was operating the next oh, day. Oh, right. And it's not like you can cancel you can't all your cases. And yeah. And I just like in the car, like, oh, my God, like, do I cancel? Like, what do I say? Like, how do I justify canceling a day of patients yeah. who need surgery? And I, mm-hmm. you know, and I just. So we didn't go through with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I operated, but it was really like, you know, traumatizing. Almost. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think there's like a certain protocol you go through, like you're supposed to try, you're supposed to try IUI, right? You're supposed to try IUI before you go to IVF. And mm-hmm. I just sat down with my doctor. I was like, I can't, I know I can't do that again. Like the, like, I, I can't, you know, like, I yeah, can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard, you know, yeah. another yeah. IUI just cause the scheduling is so hard and I'm so irregular like this can't. So we went to IVF pretty quick, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's, yeah. And that's how we got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did, did you do one IVF cycle? Yeah. So cycle meaning, so they harvested, um, so they harvested the eggs. I mean, that, this is a whole other thing too. Like when they actually looked at my ovaries, like at that time I was what, 34 or 35. Like I didn't have that many, you know, they look for mm-hmm. your follicles. Yeah. So he was like, you don't really have that many, um, to start with. Right. So mm-hmm. he kind of warned me, he's like, maybe we'll need to do multiple, Mm -hmm. Um, but they harvested the eggs. Um, we didn't have that many. I think you're supposed to get at least 10 or something. We had less Mm -hmm. than 10 or there was, there's like a certain number that they want and we had fewer than that. So it was already disappointing. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when they were, um, when they were fertilizing them, 
you have the option, right? I, I'm like thinking back now, th things might be totally different where you mm -hmm. like fertilize them and then you have the option of just going straight to, yes. to transplantation, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or you take a minute and you actually do some testing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to skip that month, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I, being the type A, I was like, no, we're testing them. Like mm -hmm. we need to test them. I need to make mm -hmm. sure that they're okay before we uh, transfer. transfer them. Mm -hmm. And so, and I remember he, whatever the time was that they were supposed to get fertilized, he calls me and he's like, you only have one, mm -hmm. like the only one mm -hmm. fertilized and mm -hmm. whatever. And so I don't, and you know, we had this whole conversation, like, I don't think you should test it. I think you just go, right? Mm. Like, this is it. This is your one, you know, mm -hmm. and I cry, more crying, right? Mm. You're like, oh my gosh, like all of this. And you don't even know if this one's good or not. Like, yeah. you know. And so that was going to happen. That was it. So we were going to transfer. And then he calls me a few hours later. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like four more. Like four oh. more came, came up, right? Like, um, so he's like, now what do you want to do? You know, and I, rem and I think, so the problem was in, I think what it was in those four hours, like a decision had been made. Because I think you're supposed to freeze them and then like test them. But like in that time frame, I, the hours are messed up. But in the time frame where I thought there was only one and more came up, there was yeah. some decision that was made where we could not freeze them to test them in the normal yeah. way. Yeah. So then he's like, okay, so either we just go forward with the transfer like we were going to do and not test them. Or there's this other way to test them, which isn't the usual way that we test them, but we could test them this way. It's not the way we normally do it, but this is an option. Yeah. I was like, okay, let's do it that way. I mean, yeah. I, I'm totally butchering this and people who are listening to this are like, what the hell are you talking about? But that's no, how I remember great. it. Okay, so like, yes, we could yes. test them the, the normal way. So we had to like test them quick. Mm -hmm. And then we went into the transfer and um, the first one didn't take. Mm -hmm. So more crying, you know, mm -hmm. I remember like, we did the transfer and I got the, and I didn't take any time off. I was like, you know, cause that was like optional, right? Like, and, um, I was in my car. I don't know if I was on call, but I got the, I got it in my car, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. I was leaving work. Mm -hmm. I don't remember it. Like, but I got the call, like, okay, mm -hmm. your levels are not mm -hmm. changing the way they should. And I don't think this mm -hmm. one took and Mm -hmm. in my car crying you yeah. know still nobody at work knows like no one knows right no it's just yeah. me just me and my husband mm -hmm. um and then we implanted the second one and and that one took so that mm -hmm. that's our set mm -hmm. now yeah um yeah so i mean there's like so much to process with all of this right <laughs> like so like first why do you think we don't talk about this. Like, I mean, even in medicine, I don't even know if like, you know, future physicians or, you know, new physicians know what the statistics are with infertility amongst the physician cohort. Why do you think we're not talking about it? I mean, I don't think there's anything like, we're, well, no, we are hiding it because, you know, like while I'm going through it, I'm not telling anybody because I don't, right? Because you don't even know if it's going to happen. Like, I remember I didn't even tell anybody until we were like really far along, you know, like, Cause you just never know. Right. Cause you've been through so much already up to that point. Like, you know, better than to like get too excited too quick, you know? And so I think just that, like, we don't share it just cause we don't, you know, we don't want to set ourselves or anyone else up for disappointment, you know? And so you don't talk about it. And then when you do talk about it, you're already pregnant. 
you know, and that's what you talk about. You don't talk about all the other stuff that happened before, you know, not that I would hide it, you know, but if someone were to ask me, I would, but that's not the focus at that point. At that point, you're like, oh, you're pregnant and when's the shower and what's the, you know, like you don't focus on that other stuff. You know, it's not like, oh, by the way, let me tell you how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. No one asks about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's just how it is. Yeah. And I, Um, so like, I think it's my own opinion, which like doesn't necessarily matter all that much. But I really think that like we as a, a greater whole should have like with our primary care doctors, like more discussion about fertility in general. Like we do such a good job, like you said earlier, about preventing pregnancy, like all the work that goes into preventing pregnancy. We don't have that conversation like, hey, your fertility can change starting at this age or doing like, you know, we do screening for um, STIs and cancer and things like that, but we don't screen for fertility at all. And then, you know, like someone like you becomes this shocker when you're ready to try and conceive and then you're like oh my gosh wait there's something wrong and then all these emotions come along with it you know what I mean yeah I think it's hard because you just never know right like so for example because of what Mm -hmm. I went through I had a really good friend um who's my who so we're the same age Mm -hmm. and she wasn't married yet and she again seeing what I went through she's like oh my god like I'm almost 40 and I'm not married. Mm-hmm. Should I? Right. And mm-hmm. we actually went, we went together to my fertility doctor and mm-hmm. had a whole conversation. She actually went through it. She went through whatever uh, the treatments and she harvested some eggs and froze them like That's in great. preparation. Yeah. And then she met her husband, got married and they got pregnant like that. So it's like, yeah. you don't, you don't know. Right. Like, yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We're just going to take a quick break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And now, back to our episode. And oh, I think a lot of it too, like as physicians, you don't want to make a problem out of something that's not going to be a problem, mm-hmm. you know? Because like for mm-hmm. her, has she not, I mean, she would have been fine. Like she, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if she went through all that stress, I mean, not for nothing, but you know, um, but I think that's the problem, right? So I think Mm -hmm. as a physician also, I I see it as well. Again, I'm not an OB-GYN. I don't know. At the same time, I see that like, you don't want to make a problem out of something that probably, that may not be a problem. You know, you don't want to stress out that woman, you know, like bring up all these things. But I, but I do think we do need to talk about it more in that when I was initially struggling, right? Who could I have talked to or who, what, you know, what could have happened then, you know, like, you know, had my PCP brought it up or had I known somebody, you know? Um, yeah. And you had this really great post and that's kind of what prompted me (laughs) to reach out to you too about, and you kind of spoke to this earlier too, about how, lonely that process is and how you felt like you were kind of suffering in silence, that sort of thing. So how did you get through that? Like, what did you do to kind of help yourself through that process? Because it's a lot to take on on your own, you know? I mean, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, I think what got me through it is like the 
promise and I, I don't want to use that ter- you know word because obviously there's no promise um the promise of having a baby you know of having a baby of getting pregnant right so like when you're going through that you're like oh it'll be worth it it'll be worth it because at the end of this you know you'll have this reward you know and I guess you know my whole life has been about delayed <laughs> gratification yeah. right? when you're a doctor like everything's delayed right so this is just another one of those things I guess you know but I do, I do think, and this might be weird is, I mean, when we started IVF, it made it easier. I think what was really hard about a lot of it was the uncertainty, you know, just cause like, you just never knew, you know, like I peed, I peed on a stick and I don't know, is my period going to come? Is it not? Like, do we do the right things? I don't know. Like, when did I ovulate? No idea. Right. Um, but when we were in IVF, it was to me mentally it was easier. Cause it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Da, 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 da like this day and you could actually schedule it as crazy that like, you know, you can schedule it like, okay, you're going to take the shots until this day. And then this is when the harvesting is going to be. And then you're going to start, you know, like it's very regimented. And that was helpful to me because I knew what to expect, you know, like you'll have an answer by this day. Like you'll know if you're pregnant on this day, you know, and there's not, there's not as much of that. Like, Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, so that was helpful. And so with your husband, too, with his kind of crazy schedule and kind of the work that he did in anesthesia, was this kind of crazy for him, too? Was did this kind of take him by surprise? Yeah, I think it I think it did. You know, like. Yeah, I, mean, I remember there were times where like, you need to come home right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. so. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't easy on him. Like he. So for, you know, those who are um, working professionals, executives, things where, you know, these careers can take a while to build. What do you think is your biggest piece of advice you can give to them? You know, I think in hindsight, like there's no good time. You know, I think I was so set on like, okay, this is the right time. Like, this is a good time. We should have a baby now versus then or then versus now you know there's a lot of that stuff um i think you know and i get a lot of conversations too like a lot of you know like oh you know i want to have babies but you know should i wait should i not mm-hmm. my thing is like, if you want them now have them now there's never a good time mm-hmm. you know like like if you want to have children during med school or training or whatever and you want to do it do it like i'm not going to tell you not to because you never know yeah. like what's going to happen later and it's going to mm-hmm. suck regardless yeah right now that it, it's going to suck regardless you know yeah. you think it's going to be better later or, or yeah. this time no it's just it's just gonna suck so yeah. do it when you want to yeah you know um that would be my first piece of advice mm-hmm. so i mean in hindsight you know i think about my resident who had a baby during i'm like that's awesome you yeah know why because she had coverage yeah <laughs> She took her time off and she had coverage. You don't mm-hmm. have to look for someone and she got paid still, right? Because mm-hmm. you're a resident. So you mm-hmm. got paid, paid time off. You got coverage. You had people backing you up. You had like a whole residency helping you out. It mm-hmm. was the best time, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, now you think back on it. Like that would have yeah. been an awesome time, Yeah, you know? Um, so, yeah. And that was even probably before all the hour restrictions and stuff like that. Yes, in residency too, right? <laughs> So, now it's even better. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, so, you know, if there's a bonus to it, it's even better now. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, no, and I guess 
the other piece and the other piece of advice too is um I mean, it's hard because people who are listening to this obviously know, right? Like, you're not the only one. I mean, you're obviously not the only one. Like, you know, the fertility field is, like, huge, you know? Like, there's a lot of people going through this. Um, You know, obviously now that I have gone through and I shared about it, so many people have come out. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my gosh, I I went through this also. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how come you never Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, no one taught you. I mean, now, you know, right now it's like, oh, you know, everyone, you know, and now you have these like Facebook mom groups and things. Like, you know, so I feel like, you know, people have more support now. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, obviously don't be afraid to talk about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the people who need to hear that most probably aren't hearing this. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's like you said, difficult. Um, but what do you think is the hardest part? out of all of this, having, you know, like being a physician and knowing the working hours and maybe even some of the unspoken rules around, or maybe the unspoken perceptions of when to have a baby, when not to have a baby, or should you, or shouldn't you, and that sort of thing. Like, what do you think is the hardest part out of all of this and kind of juggling this whole, you know, fertility thing? I mean, I think, you, I think you just said it, you know, I think the hardest part is, you know, dealing with all the like, oh, should I, shouldn't I, or what, you know, what are people going to think and da, 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 you know, all these things, outside things when they really shouldn't matter, right? Like it really should be when you're ready and when you want to, like, you know, that should be the most important, but it's hard, you know, when you're, especially in medicine, like you worry about what other people think and you worry about burdening other people and you worry about like, oh, I don't want to seem week or whatever you know like um and just it, I mean it's harder said than done like I had to kind of get through that also you know because when I had my first I only took six weeks off because I was like oh I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna show them that like I'm not a slacker that was dumb you know yeah 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 <laughs> my second I took four months off mm-hmm. which was like which was good, you know, mm-hmm. which, is nor- which is normal, like, yeah. you know, because you're still breastfeeding and you're still doing all these things, you know? Yeah. And so I think I, I really had to be like, I need to do this for me and I can't worry about what other people think. You know, you worry about your patients, you worry about the other doctors and this and that. It, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think do. that applies to like whatever you work in, because I think as women, we tend to do that anyway where we worry about everyone else and what's going to happen to them and I don't I don't want to burden them I don't want to be you know uh, any kind of like trouble or I don't want to ruffle feathers or if you know you're an executive you want to be a partner or you want to whatever you know let's say you're an attorney and you want to be a partner and you want to show that you're like you're there and you're committed and whatever Um, I think all of that kind of plays into it but I think you're so right in that we have to just shut that part of our brain off which is hard to do but I wonder do you think it's because you because I don't know how old you were when you had your second how old were you at that time um 35 okay six do you think that that came with experience and age that like after the first one you're like why am I doing this (laughs) I mean the the story can go into like so many different ways so it's like no, I know. So I can say, so I, so with my first, so I came back after six weeks, um, you know, and you have that whole, you know, I'm going to make partner, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, you know, show them that I can do it. And then, 
Um, and this has nothing to do with fertility. It's more like, you know, being a female in the workplace, you mm-hmm. kind of get slapped in the face where it's like, oh, well, there's a position, but we don't think you should have it because you should focus on your family. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so we're going to hire this single man out mm-hmm. of training instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Wait, what? Wait, what, yeah. what did I just spend the last three or four years trying to show you, you know, mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. I can do it, like I'm whatever. And then now you're coming back and slapping me in the face for having a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that experience, so that happened maybe a year or two, you know, in between, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. after I had my first. And I think that realization was like, wow, nobody's going to look out for me except for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can do all this stuff at work. I can do all these things. But in the end, like it's my family and my life, mm-hmm. you know, and I made I made these sacrifices for work. But work doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, your work doesn't care. They'll replace you in a heartbeat. Honestly, yeah. like I'm yes. sorry to say, like, no, it's true. You, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that was my realization because, mm-hmm. you know, when I, we got pregnant with my second and that had happened, I was like, you know what? They don't care. Like, why am I busting my butt? Like, why am Mm -hmm. I coming back after six weeks? Now I'm going to, I'm going to take four months, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and do what I need to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll do what they need to do. And, Mm -hmm. and I just made that decision, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I know one physician, she had twins and she went back to work two weeks after having twins by C-section. And I was just oh like, my oh, my God, I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. What? She's like, well, there's patients. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, that yeah, is right? so just, hard. Yeah, I know. Do you think do you think it's better now than when you were having kids? Do you think that the conversation has changed around women in the workplace or having children or that? perceived pressure of having to prove yourself or do you think that that's still very much the same I don't know I mean because I think because when I okay so when I had my kids even then like everyone was happy for me you know like Mm -hmm. you know there wasn't that like outright I didn't feel it to my face yeah but it came back in that other way you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so I don't know yeah I'm sure you know, it's very taboo to say anything bad, you know? Yes, yes. Right? But I mean, I you hear... Then, it's that way now, but it comes back in other ways. And I don't know, I don't know if it's better. Because I, in a way, I've kind of like checked out of that. I'm like, I'm not, so I'm a per diem now. I work, so mm-hmm. when I took my four months off, they um, hired somebody else and they cut my hours. So I became mm-hmm. part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to be part-time at the time, but mm-hmm. I became part-time. And in hindsight, it was the best thing ever because now I definitely have my work-life balance, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of checked out. Like, I'm not climbing the ladder. I don't want to be partner. I'm just good, like, you know, mm-hmm. working part-time, hanging out with my kids, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not in that politics anymore, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because that's a whole other thing, too. Uh, yeah being like office politics is a a whole other thing but what do you think drives the one in four in physicians is it do you think it's just people are waiting longer or is do you think it's the stress what do you i mean i know there's a combination Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, i think it's a combination i think you know we're older by the time we start trying like i went straight through um and i was still 32 you know by the time so i would have been if had we started right away been 31 so you're still technically a little bit older right and then on top of that 
you know, you're talking about like years and years of like poor sleep, poor diet, stress, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's probably a combination of all of that stuff. And I, I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is true or not, because obviously I'm not directly in that circle, but um, I'm hearing that there's conversations now that are happening to some of these like med students and maybe, you know, first year residents or interns about maybe egg freezing and fertility preservation and stuff like that. How do you feel about that? And do you kind of wish that that conversation happened for you when you were younger? I don't know, because just like I said, with my friend who like went through all of that and didn't end up needing it, mm -hmm. there's a lot of extra cost and, and, yeah. and time and stress there, too. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. if I mean, would that have been better or would it have been better had I, you know, if I could have been more open about it at the time? Yeah. Would that have just been helpful, you know, or if I had someone to talk to at the time? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I wonder if something like that at least would start the conversation and make the topic a little safer to broach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's like yeah. if you talk to a big crowd of people and you just bring it up and say, look, these are the concerns that potentially can happen in the future for physicians mm -hmm. or whoever, any other professional that, you know, might take time to build their career. If they just ha if there's this conversation that just occurs broadly, then <clears throat> it almost makes it a little bit like a safer topic. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. takes some of the taboo out of it, whether or not you need it, however you feel about it. But maybe the people who end up going through it, maybe we'll find a little safe space amongst like maybe a crowd of people who are like, oh, hey, yeah. I'm thinking no, and about I doing think, this. And, you make, and that's a great point. I mean, like, you know, the fact that these these things are now being offered, right, or that the residents are now talking about it, like, it's not necessarily they have to take it, but just like you said, like, because it's there, then you can, like, talk about it, right? Yeah. Like, then that, that it's actually there and you can, you know, have a discussion versus for us, it wasn't even, like, it wasn't even... Like we weren't even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And so when it happens, you're like shocked. Yeah. But at least like if there was a little seed planted and it happened, you're like, oh, well, yeah, that's what they were talking about. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. That's, it's happening. You yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of like bad part of fertility, but what of the whole experience that you had with your first and your second, what is like, uh, aside from your beautiful babies, what is the best thing to come out of all of this, you think? Because um, there is a lot of struggle. I mean, you spent a lot of... <laughs> there is a lot of struggle. I think, you know, I don't know if I can pick that one. I think just that whole experience of like, you know, that whole, you know, balancing work and, and um, like work expectations and then doing things for me, you know, that whole, that whole thing. Um. And then coming out of it, deciding like, you know, my family and I'm more important than work, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that was all part of it that like, you know, mm -hmm. when you, when you go back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, you go through so much. Yeah. Like you go through so much and then, yeah, for a long time I chose work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you choose work and then you get slapped in the face for it. You're like, dang it. Why did I do that? You know? And then to realize like, okay, I'm, I, I need to choose me and my family. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that really pushed it. Yeah. Like that way. I think for, 
a lot of us who have gone through all this infertility stuff, I think a lot of us learn a couple of things. One, I think we learn to speak up for ourselves because, you know, it's like you, when you kind of were talking about, you know, this IUI thing, you're like, look, (laughs) it's like, this is just not going to work out. Like I can't, there's the stress of doing this is way bigger than anything else. Like we need to do something else. And I think for us, you know, I, I can say, at least for me, I've hit a few roadblocks where I felt like I wasn't being heard, where I felt like I wasn't being, you know, like my concerns weren't being addressed. So I think for me, this whole experience has taught me to speak up for myself. And that kind of spills over into other avenues of your life. And I think it was like you're saying, you start to say, you know what, no one's going to look out for me other than me. And so I really need to just step up and just say, you know what, screw what anyone else thinks. I got to do what's best for me. So I think for me anyway, that's that's what I've kind of learned. And it sounds like you did too. And I think a lot of people end up when they're going through this process, they learn like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, like I can't keep doing this for everybody else. I got it because I, I, the same thing happened to me. I have this surgery that I have to get scheduled for myself, and I remember thinking, well, my colleague's going to be off from this day to this day, so I don't want to burden my other colleague to cover two of us while they're off. So maybe I should change the date of my surgery to make it more convenient for them. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait. What? Like, what am I doing? And fortunately, I have really, really wonderful colleagues who were like, uh, we'll figure it out. You just do what you got to do. Like, don't worry about it. So I'm very grateful that they pushed me to just say, you know what? It's fine. We'll be fine. But not everyone gets that. You know, when you're in a cutthroat kind of like either a big group or if you're in a law firm with like tons of people vying for only certain, you know, like you you may not have the benefit of someone saying that. And then having to say, you know what, I'm okay stepping back and knowing that if I do these things, it may take me out of the running or there may be this perception that I'm less than or whatever. But, you know, even when you hustled and you came back, it, it didn't happen, like you said, initially within the first few weeks, which is when you would think it would happen. It was like years later when they were like thinking about, you know, these partnerships and stuff like that. They're like, well, you're still probably not the best. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, like earth shattered. And, no, and it was. And I'm like, God damn it. Why did I wait then? Right. Like, yeah, I should have right. done it. At the, you know? Yeah. So you're like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just like. I, it's, I feel like it's so hard on so many different levels. And a lot of us got here because we waited, because we wanted to do all these things first. But I, I think it's nice to have the perspective of someone who's been through it and could look back with hindsight being twenty twenty, obviously. <laughs> and that actually works because you're an ophthalmologist. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, and saying like, hey, it, you can try all you want and people will think whatever they want to think. So... Do whatever you think is best for you whenever that is. And um, I think that's such a wonderful message to kind of leave people with is that, you know, you, what your what your goals are are important. But, you know, you yourself and what you need for your family and that sort of thing are also really important. And you're kind of your best advocate. So kind of, you know, don't be afraid to speak up for yourself and put yourself first, which I think is a message that I think we're getting much, much better at as women in putting out into the world. Um, So, I mean, I mean, I know this is 
primarily a fertility podcast, but I think the two really do. There's like crossover, you know? It is. And it goes the other way too, because obviously I've gone this the one way, right? Like I've, yeah. I've gone, like I go part-time, I'm focusing on my family, but it goes the other way too. Like there are plenty of mothers out there that want, they want that, pos- you know, they want the promotion, they want the position and you go for it. Yeah. You know? like, yes. If I were that, if I were that person and they did that to me, heck I would have like raised hell, right? Yes. Like it'd be like, n- like, this is what I did, and this is how I've shown you, and how dare you say that to me? Yeah. You know, like, it goes the other way, too, that you, you know, like, I went through this hell with, you know, infertility, and now you're telling, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes that way, else it goes that way, too. Yeah. That you fight for what you want. Yeah, and, and I think, too, it's, well... And I don't like saying this either because there's no guarantee, as you pointed out. Like, I, I did this post the other day. I said, there is certainty and uncertainty because, like, you can be certain that there is uncertainty in fertility. And um, I, I think that if you choose to wait to have children, too, that that's okay. Also, just be aware of what the statistics yeah. are and be aware that, I mean, there are things you could do for fertility preservation, but there's no guarantee that that works. But also, you're not obligated to have kids when everyone else has kids either. Yeah. Or if you choose to have kids. So I'm like, I I, I do think that there's like a lot of conversation to be had um, with all of that, too. So um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your um, experience and all your um, knowledge with um, you know what it's like to be a physician and kind of going through all this. I'm hoping that all the future physicians and current physicians that hear this um, can take from your experience and hopefully have um, a much better experience than you did or um, anyone else Definitely, who's struggling. Yeah, it's so, so important to talk about. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. And um, if people need to connect with you or want to follow you, because you have this really lovely. <laughs> Instagram account that I love watching I've like I, I'm like I don't want to be like a weirdo but I'm just like oh my gosh I've like I've been watching your reels and they're just so entertaining I love them <laughs> so if they want to find you or connect with you how do they do that yeah so you know I'm pretty much all over social media so Instagram is a good place um so Vicky Chan MD so just my name um I'm also on TikTok under the same handle um yeah those are probably the two best place places to to check me out. Well, thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Thanks, bye. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you want a question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes, and I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.